Hi, it's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest, Lorraine Gerald, is a delight to chat with. She is an adoptee, writer, intuitive, kundalini yoga instructor, Reiki master, and ordained minister. She writes inspirational, educational opinion pieces and a blog on her website and as at the adopted chameleon on facebook and instagram she completely understands how being transparent and vulnerable can be a healing experience for everyone i can't help but smile when she shares the importance of healing our entire body i so agree when loray reached out to me to be on the podcast she asked is there room enough for me? She's polite, thoughtful, and unassuming. There's absolutely room for you, Lorraine. You know the significance of engaging with the community. Your presence on social media has allowed other adoptees to feel like they are not alone. Allow me to introduce you to someone who is new in reunion with her paternal birth family as recent as this year. I like her energy tenacity, and wherewithal when others may not see things in the same way. Hi, LaRae. I'm so glad that you decided to have a conversation with me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad you reached out and wanted to be a part of the podcast. So why don't we just get started? Because I know you're an adoptee in reunion. So wherever you want to start and however much you want to share. Well, thank you. Uh, yes, I am an adoptee in reunion. I just recently found my birth father and a, another sister. Uh, he never knew about me. Like you, I came from the baby scoop era and my mother never told anyone. And my father was in Vietnam when I was born. So she never told him or anyone ever that I was born. So it was quite a shock to him. I never thought I was going to actually find him because I had done 23andMe, Ancestry, all the other little DNA match sites and there was just nothing. There was never a sibling from that side. There was closest thing I could find was a cousin. So you, I'm sure any adoptees that have had to reach out to cousins would relate to this, but people that aren't adopted that <laughs> don't understand this, you're basically talking to a stranger 
and saying, hey, would someone in your family, you know, maybe had a child out of wedlock or or didn't talk about it? You know, it's it's kind of a very private conversation. It takes a lot out of you going through the emotions of asking these people. And luckily, I've found some very nice people that did speak to me and gave me pointers and tips of who it might be. And I wrote a letter in August of 2019. I did a search for this man that the cousins believed would be my father. So I wrote a letter and it was returned. So then I reached out to Search Angels, which is a group that helps people uh, reunite with lost family members. They had suggested sending it to the P.O. box because there were two addresses and I had sent it to the home address. And they said, send it certified, but don't request a signature. So I did that. And indeed, I saw that it had been picked up, but I never got a response. It wasn't until it was a year and a half later that I finally received an email from what now is my stepsister. (laughs) So I did get a stepsister too, which I love to death. She was the one that was taking care of my father and her mother. Her mother has dementia. So you took a DNA test in 2019? No, I took it probably 2017, 2018. Okay. And had been communicating with these people on and off, trying to, you know, see if they could find anything that would give me more information. And from what they all told me, I found a name and then I did a search and that's how I found the address. Again, I had no idea if this was truly my father or not. It was just a letter that I had to send and ask if they would speak to me. So, so you connected uh, with your birth father this year. Yes, okay. in 2021. Yes, okay. I found him in 2021, but I had written the letter in 2019. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, my stepsister had told me that he had had a stroke in April of 2019. That's why she was the one picking up the mail and she was maintaining the household and taking care of this. And it just got put, kind of put in a stack mm-hmm. of things that she had to take care of because now she was taking care of a whole nother household. She saw it and she thought it was one of his war buddies and kind of put it in a stack. That's what she told me. Mm. <laughs> she said, I literally put it in a stack. Right. And when she was going through things this year, when she had to finally clear everything out, she came across it again. And she just sent an email saying, are you still looking for Ken, basically? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I still remember looking at my husband and dropping my phone. He's been through a reunion before and things kind of pop up with me. <laughs> They're kind of odd. So he looks at me like, oh, no, what? <laughs> and uh, yeah. So we just out of the blue, right? Like out of the blue. Yeah, you just hear out of the blue. Her. Right. Just sitting there one night because I had given up. I thought he didn't want to know me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, just you, you don't want to assume these things, but you have to at some point go, well, I don't know what else to do. And I had tried calling the phone number that was attached to that house, and I had tried calling multiple times, and obviously no one had answered. Now I know why. At some point, you just have to go, well, I I don't know what else to do. They're not answering. A year and a half later, I got that answer, and she told me that he was in a nursing home, 
and that he had been rehabilitated. And yeah, I definitely could speak to him. And then I was, <laughs> of course, shocked because I never thought I would ever find the man. And how old is he? He's 21 years older than me. So he's in his mid 70s, 76. Okay. I believe. So you talked to him on the phone? Yes. I, well, first, let me back up. I had a sister (laughs) that I didn't know about. And um, Carrie, the stepsister, introduced me to Aaron, my half sister, which at the time we didn't know. We were sisters. We were just talking and saying we believe we're sisters. But I bought a DNA test and sent it to her because she had agreed that she would take it. She was that kind and would agree to do that. When the results came in six weeks later, she was like, hi, sister. <laughs> but it was she was so kind. She said, I knew we were sisters before we even took the test. Her mother had reminded her of when she was little. She had always wanted a sister. She asked uh, Santa at Christmas time for a sister. And so her mom said, hey, Santa brought you your sister you always wanted. So that's our sweet little joke is that I was her Christmas wish. Right. So she so, oh, she felt she always knew because do you look alike? No, no. She just always wanted a sister. Mm-hmm. And then she got one. Okay. <laughs> so now we are, uh, yeah, have a relationship. So that's good. And, and oh, but I but yes, then I once I realized, indeed, this man is my father because I didn't want to disturb him in the nursing home. If I if he wasn't, I wanted to be 100 percent sure mm-hmm. making that phone call is something that non-adopted people would not understand. But adoptees who making that phone call is a tough one. Yeah. I just I'm of the mindset uh, just rip it off like a Band-Aid instead of him and hawing around and making people anxious. <laughs> right. Yeah, just get, just get to the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get, get to the meat of the topic here. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what I did. I called him up and I said, well, you're my father. <laughs> what did he say? He's like, what? <laughs> 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 Which is kind of what I expected. But anyway, so... I explained to him that I had taken DNA and his daughter and I were indeed sisters. So he was like, oh, we just had a short conversation because I had already planned a trip to be in North Carolina and South Carolina. And I was going to meet him and my stepsister in North Carolina and then go meet my other half-sister in South Carolina. And I have another half-sister in South Carolina on my mother's side. So I went and saw everybody. Wow. How was that? That was a wonderful trip. Well, I wrote about it in in the e-zine in our group in Adoptees Voices. Yes, that was a wonderful trip. There were so many emotions. It was a roller coaster. But since I had been through a reunion prior, I felt better I dealt with it better, I should say, because there were still a lot of emotions. But I believe that I handled it a lot better this time. Mm-hmm. When you say this time compared to your maternal the side? First time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, in the maternal side, also, my mother never would have anything to do with me. So okay. that one was obviously more painful. And now I have 
I have two sisters on my maternal side and one I have a relationship with and one I do not have a relationship with. Okay. She doesn't talk to me because my mother would never have anything to do with me. I believe that that still goes through the generational line now. Mm-hmm. So when you say better, what do you mean? You handled it um, better. I handled it better because when I felt the emotions of it, I knew what they were. Mm-hmm. And when you know something, just like when you know and accept the pain of adoption that some adoptees have, you're better able to handle it. When I was young, I didn't realize what was going on, where the pain was coming from. So therapists would just treat me for like rage disorders or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and then it just and it made it worse because then they were just telling me I was angry. And I was like, well, I know that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but why am I angry? Right. <laughs> yes. And, and they never would attach the adoption part of it to it. So it was put back on me. But once I understood where it came from, mm-hmm. I could start dealing with that anger and moving it like the trauma of adoption needs to be moved through the body as well as talk therapy and in groups. You need to move that negative energy and the trauma through your body. So once you know what it is, you can learn to heal it. And that's that's why closed adoptions and secrets are not good for the adoptee. We can't feel whole being right, a secret. Right. And I take it that the therapist was not adoption or adoptee competent. Right. Not my ones in the 20s. And that's why I quit. I never went back until my 50s because I was just convinced that they were making it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took me a long time to trust another therapist. So when you started searching for birth family members, it would be your maternal side, correct? I had my mother's name on my original birth certificate that I got in 1995. Oh, you've so, had it for a while. So yes, the I, I the state of Tennessee, I contacted them in 95 when it became legal for me to do a search. Okay. People that aren't adopted don't understand closed adoptions. You don't have any information. To do the search, I had to contact the state that I was born in and they did a search for me. When the search ended, all I got was a letter. The search has ended. They didn't say anything, the results. They just said, it has ended. Here's your non-identifying information. I got my original birth certificate. My birth mother named me. Hmm. And, yeah, I had another name, which still to this day, I have no idea why. Because when I met my sisters, every name in the family meant something. Hmm. And they couldn't figure it out. Then when I met my birth father and showed him the birth certificate, he has no clue what the name means either. So that's a bit of a sore spot with me still now. That hurts because I have no clue why. And then for her to never meet me, it, it still is a pain that I work with because there's just mysteries in my life that I will never have answers to. Mm-hmm. So you've always known you were adopted. I have. And that's it's strange because some people can remember exactly when they were told. But I I don't remember exactly when I was told. Mm-hmm. I don't have that memory. I, I also found out that I, I blocked other memories when my adopted cousin found her. It was probably 1996 or 1997. 
she told her that she would get a restraining order if I ever tried to find her because she didn't want her husband or daughters to know. Mm. Well, her husband had been dead since 1991. So the truth was is she was keeping me from my sisters Mm. because I found out in 2020 when I asked for all the rest of the information that the state of Tennessee had on my adoption records, they sent it to me. Of course, we had to pay. I had to pay for it again. Adoptees probably understand the fees that go along with that. For sure. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I paid again and got that. Well, there was a letter in there that they had spoken to my grandmother and thanked her for speaking with them and had told them to, you know, please send the information along to my biological mother. So my grandparents knew too. They were alive when I was looking. So all three of them, the ones that knew, the only ones that knew that I existed when I was born, were also all of them ignored me until their, well, every one of their passings. Why do you think your birth mom didn't want you to be in contact with your sisters? I don't know why she didn't want me to meet them, because when I met them, they flew here within a week to meet me. So mm. that was her. That was all her. And and that's another pain that I have to go through is she was keeping me from my sisters. And and it did no good because now I have a relationship well with one of them. But it, it could have been made so much easier. And maybe I could have a relationship with the other one had this not have happened. Did they know about your existence? No, not at all. It was a complete shock to them. That's another thing that adoptees have to go through is shocking their own family. We're just trying to find our heritage and, and health history, which was another thing that I felt basically betrayed. My birth mother had breast cancer twice. Mm. That's what she passed from. And I have always had abnormal mammograms. Luckily, I've never had cancer, but that's something I should have known. Yes. Because when I met my sisters, one of them had breast cancer. The other one had already had double mastectomy. Mm. So yes, that's something that I would think that every adoptive parent would want to know about their child. Yeah, I I totally agree. And and for starting off season two of this podcast, I have a birth mom that talks about, she's also a a searcher, search angel for adoptees. And, And one of the biggest things that she shared is that she compiled, she is a writer, but she compiled Mm -hmm. like 60 something typed letter for her uh, birth daughter, the daughter she relinquished, Mm -hmm. uh, giving her all this information about her health history and all of this, just in case her daughter did not want to be in reunion because she firmly believes that that's the least a birth parent can do. Exactly. That's beautiful. I'm glad that there are birth parents that do that. And, and hopefully podcasts like this and, and your book, and hopefully someday my book (laughs) and, and, and all the adoptees that write and tell their stories that adoption can change and be better and, and foster system because right now they're broken in the United States. There's not even a consistency in among States. 
Right. for adoptees. Right. I contacted the adoption agency where I was adopted from and they don't even have records. No post adoption records. No, none. Mm. Nothing. They didn't even have record records. <laughs> mm. I said, "You mean there's no record of me whatsoever being there?" And they're like, "No, we don't keep those." <laughs> I was wow. like, "Are you kidding me?" And the hospital that I was actually born in Deleted my files in 1995, the same year I could get them. Mm. Wow. The, you've been connected to the adoption community for a while. Uh, just since a few years. And when my adopted cousin did, uh, found out that my adopted mother didn't want to have anything to do with me, I kind of went through a period where I was in complete denial or the fog. Well, that's what a lot, some adoptees call it the fog, some don't. I think the fog is appropriate, so I use the fog because I always felt them. It was like they were right behind a veil. Betty Jean Lifton calls it the ghost kingdom, but I found out my ghost kingdom were real. Some of the visions that I actually had were really them. So I always felt like they were so close, but I just went into a mode where all I did was work, 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 and then I like to drink and numb out and work, 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 and that was it. And I did that for many, many years, and I just didn't deal with it. Mm -hmm. So there was a point where you said, I'm going to deal with it. And when right. was so that? E well, every, I don't know, it'd be like every eight years or so, I'd get the nerve up to write a letter or make a phone call. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, I was out there doing it again, and this time I was looking for dad, and um, I, I came across my mother's obituary, and that's where my sister's names were, and that's how I found them. Your birth mother's obituary. Right. So I found out she had passed. So while I was crying, because <laughs> mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I was on Ancestry and I had paid more money to get on an obituary, obituary file. And that's where I found her name. Oh, and in okay. the obituary, it said her daughter's names. Mm -hmm. And I was like, while I was crying, I realized, oh, my gosh, there's my sister's names. The sisters all my life that I've known that I've had that oh, I, I didn't get know it. about. Because so I felt like I had sisters. Right. I felt like I had two sisters. So you were in <laughs> reunion with them once your birth mother passed. Right. Yes. I, I met you. them in 2019. Okay. My, yes. Mother, our birth mother had passed in 2016. Okay. Yeah. And so what made you say, I'm going to look for my birth father? Because I guess something in my mind was just like, well, your birth mother doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Try to find him. But only information I had really was from her because the non-identifying information I had did not have his name. It just had information like height, weight, eye color, schooling, religion, his parents' information, same type of information. And then my birth mother, I had her name, but her parents, it was the same type of just generic information without names. So without a name, it's difficult. Well, it was until DNA. I mean, honestly, closed adoptions can't really happen now because of DNA. Anybody can go buy a DNA test result and you're going to find a cousin or something that's going to give you information and their social media. Mm -hmm. So the but, closed adoption system should just go away. But your original birth certificate, what did it have for your father? 
it didn't have a name. Okay. There was just no name in there. It was kind of left blank. Okay. DNA, first cousins, and that's how I narrowed it down. Mm-hmm. You're a writer, a very good writer, and I'm so glad oh, that you, you published for Adoptee Voices. And tell me, what's been the most rewarding experience for you, writing? Writing is therapy for me. That's when I started page The Adopted Chameleon on Facebook and Instagram. When I started that page, the reason why was because it was therapy. Writing is therapy. It, it helped me get the pain out. Each time I did it, I felt a little bit better. I started it just for me and hoped <laughs> that maybe it would help someone else. But honestly, it was for me. I needed to heal. I never thought putting stuff out like that on social media would be healing because it is terrifying writing about your personal life and putting it out there for others. It's not easy at all. Reading other adoptees' stories helped me. So I thought, well, maybe if I do it, it'll help. I can help myself and maybe help others. And the more I did it, the better I felt. Of course, I, like I said again, my sister doesn't talk to me because of it, but I did try to speak to her about it. It's just that some people don't understand that it, it is therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ernest Hemingway said, write hard and clear about what hurts. Mm. It's true. And therapists will even say journal, do things like that. But for me, putting it on social media and being vulnerable did that extra little push of healing help. Yeah, and I think you do a beautiful job of it. I see you on Instagram and Facebook and 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 it's very it's done very well. But I think sometimes people, because I, I, I know people in my family who, they're just private, and that's just their personality. And I understand that, but mm-hmm. it, it's still possible to be public and to, to do it in a way that's respectful. And I think sure. you do that. Well, thank you. I get a lot of private messages, too, and this is what keeps me going, is people that can't do what I do right, or, or just feel that they can't do that and be open because I believe that everyone should, if it's something that hurts, then talk about it. You know, don't hide it, deny it, act like it doesn't exist. I lived that life. (laughs) That's why I write. I don't want to be a secret or a lie anymore. I need to tell my truth. Right. And those private messages of those adoptees telling me that it helps them. It keeps me going. And being in the adoption community is so helpful because your family can love you, whatever, but it's you need to be in a group of people that understand. And you can say what you need to say, and they understand you. So the adoption community is is a very good place for that. And I'm glad that I found you all so much. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. I'm always saying that being connected to the adoption community is probably the one of the best things an adoptee can do for themselves. And surprisingly, yes. well, maybe not surprisingly, but you do it for other people too. It's like a, a win-win. You being connected, it means everything to all of us <laughs> as much as it's helping you. And exactly as far as uh, writing, I too agree that it's such a healing experience. And like um, we often talk about, you 
may not publish. You know, you certainly mm-hmm. can write and not publish. Uh, right. But all of the, all of the processes play a major part in, I think, the lifelong healing that we'll all probably be going through because of the trauma. So I believe that, too. Yeah. 100%. And even adoptees that have to write anonymously. I, I met one here in Tulsa recently that her book is at the editor and she had to write anonymously, but she did it mm-hmm. because it healed. It helped heal her. Dancing and movement is great. I always tell adoptees, you got to get that. You got to move. You got to move it out because it is inside the body from relinquishment. So you got to get the movement going as well as being a part of community and a therapist, a, a, a adoption competent therapist, mm-hmm. I should say, or one that understands the trauma that adoptees go through and doesn't, <laughs> that actually listens. Yeah. Besides writing, you do other things that enable you and others to heal. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I am a kundalini yoga instructor. I'm a Reiki energy healer, and I do. I read uh, tarot and tea leaves. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm saw an your. Intuitive. I saw your website, and I was like, "Wow!" I was just so I got excited. <laughs> I have had well, what some people call sixth sense or whatever they want to call it, mm-hmm. psychic abilities. It's intuition. Everyone has it. Right. I believe, and I. A lot of adoptees have it, and I believe that we develop it to try to feel our family that aren't right there next to us. Mm -hmm. We try to energetically connect to them, and that's what it is because we're all energy. We know that. (laughs) We know that that now. We're energy, so it's just being able to tap into that energy, and that's why when that ghost kingdom, people are like, that's imaginary. And that's what you're told as a child. When I found out that it wasn't imaginary, it, it was like, wow, that that was real. But my adopted mother was highly intuitive. And then when I met both sides, biological mother and father, intuitive ran in the family strong. So I have it biologically and my adopted mother raised me to make me feel that it was completely normal. Wow. So, how nice is that? Yeah. So it, that was ad- wonderful. Are your adoptive parents still living? No, they're okay. both passed. Okay. Yeah. Since you've always known, that sounds like since your adoptive parents allowed you to maybe talk about adoption. You know, they never really talked about it. That was the part that's a little disappointing is I always knew, but yet it was never really discussed. Okay. And I now looking back, because people say, well, what would have helped you? And I'm like, well, that's a good question. What would have helped me? Because we all want to know how to do things better, right? So I think when I was young, if I would have been able to discuss things openly and maybe had a therapist or something that we all went to and were able to find that language because I was probably in my 50s before I even discovered the adoptee language. Mm. I didn't have the language to tell. And I always blame myself because, well, I was given away. I had to be the bad one. Uh, and people say, you know, it's God's will that you're adopted. So I was like, well, God can't be wrong. Why? I'm feeling bad feelings. I have to be the bad one. And that's what happens. You get trapped inside your own head, mm-hmm. feeling like, well, I'm the bad one. I'm supposed to be grateful, you know, but I feel bad. So there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. 
Yeah, did you ask your adoptive parents about your birth parents at any point or that you were interested in searching at any point? Yeah, both of them were alive when I did the original search, and they were fine with that. My adopted parents didn't have the means and opportunities like my biological mother did. My adopted mother only had a fifth grade education, so they really didn't have resources and understanding of how to help me. Later on, I found out that my biological mother, had I not been adopted, I would have had more means and opportunity than I did when I was adopted. Mm, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, like my sisters both have master's degree. I'm still paying off student loans for my associate degrees. Right, <laughs> right. They were lovely. My adopted parents were wonderful and loving. But that's pretty much all they had was love wow. because they didn't have, well, let's go to a therapist. They didn't think that Resources. way. They didn't understand. Right. Yes, they just didn't understand. Yeah. Now, were you an only child, raised as an only child? Yes, I okay. was an adopted only child. So your your parents were unable to conceive? My mother, yes, had, oh, it was a horrible story. My mother had been previously married and went in for appendicitis, and her husband told the doctor to give her a hysterectomy. Oh, no. Yeah, and back then it was legal. And the one thing she always wanted was babies. That's all she wanted right. was babies. And then she couldn't have them. Oh, how and horrible. they adopted. I know, it was horrible. And then I never wanted children. I Being adopted, I didn't know where I came from, so I never wanted kids. And yeah. I didn't have them. And so that was a huge disappointment for her because she wanted grandbabies. Mm -hmm. And she'd talk about it. And I was like, I don't. I've heard and other so we never saw eye that. to eye. Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't. I just, I didn't. Well, again, inside me, I thought something was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to pass that on. I was scared what I would pass on. Right. Yeah. And I didn't have a adoptee, health history. Adoptees say that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just too afraid to do it. Well, you know, to me, he's sharing that, and I appreciate it because I think that's um, you being very vulnerable there. Like, I wasn't even thinking like that, you know, <laughs> like you talk about the fog. I, I embrace that term um, at times from my mm -hmm. experience, and it would be years later that I, that I would think, why, why didn't you even think about that's kind of important? And so <laughs> to hear you share that says to me that there was a part of you that was in touch with what was going on by being separated mm -hmm. from your original family and not knowing so much, so many unknowns. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. It is a hard part of it, but I still feel I did the right thing. When I met my sisters on the maternal side, another one of the sisters, she didn't have children either. So I found that interesting. Mm. And she had never wanted kids. It's the one I don't talk to. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. And they're younger than you, I take it? Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. They have the same father. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think we'll wrap it up. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share? I just want to let any adoptee know that if they're having fear about reunion, to go to the adoptee community or message me on my social or I'm mm -hmm. sure other adoptees to talk to someone. I would do it all again. I 100% would do it all again because I believe it was one of the most healing things also mm -hmm. 
knowing the truth. To me, the not knowing was far worse yeah. than knowing. And I'm glad I did. And now I actually have sisters. I have two sisters and a stepsister. And I have a biological father. And I have some cousins. So I, I did end up receiving a lot through reunion. Mm -hmm. I may have gone through some very painful experiences that I will probably deal with for the rest of my life, but I know how to work with it now. And that's one of the most important things is he with healing is knowing what to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I always want at least one listener to know that there will be something in reunion that makes it worth it. It Absolutely. may not be the birth parent, may not be a relationship mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. I love the sibling piece. Like mm -hmm. what you share about that is huge. And then just the fact that being in reunion with your birth father, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's great. I never thought I would get to know a biological parent. So this is a true gift. Mm-hmm. It is, and I thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me. It's been really good. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity, and I want to thank you for doing this, uh, letting adoptees get their stories out and hopefully helping people. Yeah, we we, we got to have you back on because you just, this reunion is as recent as this year, right, in person? Yes, yes. yeah, just... As we're talking right now, I've probably only had four conversations with my biological father, so it is very new. Yes, <laughs> very, very, very new. new. And, 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 my, and my sister my, on his side, yes. So right. these are all very, very new relationships, yes. Absolutely. So hopefully you'll come back on because the journey does continue, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it is a lifelong journey. <laughs> I would love to anytime you want me. Whenever I meet an adoptee, I'm filled with joy. I know how it felt when I first became connected and learned that I don't have to try and fit in. Others knowing that they too can belong in adoptee land and there is absolutely room enough for all of us is sometimes hard to put into words. It can be scary to be open, honest, and public yet it is a rewarding opportunity for the giver and the receiver. Lorraine doesn't just show up in the community. She does it in such a way that you want to get to know her and be empowered by her journey of search followed by reunion. She's proof that you can move through the tough challenges and fully embrace the good times. I hope you will check out Lorraine's website, LorraineGerald.com. She provides a variety of healing services for the whole body. She hopes to help others heal their trauma, adopted or not, by sharing her lived experiences as an adoptee, as well as her education in breathwork, energy healing, and natural intuitive abilities. Thank you, Lorraine, for reaching out to me and saying yes to a conversation. I'm getting to know you better since first meeting through Adoptee Voices Cohort 1. When I learned that you were joining Cohort 2 this past June, I was elated. You bring your enthusiasm and talent to the writing group each week. And on behalf of all of the facilitators, we have looked forward to you being there.
If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community.